welcome to this episode of the 9420 podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate.
Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. That was Ethan Gold with Our Love is Beautiful. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are you guys doing? Hey. Hey, everybody. You know, I, I love that song. You what know, a it, great track, It just man. gives me, it's, it's, so it's a good. good feeling. I don't know, you know, it's, it's simple, but it sounds, again, my, my, my word that I use all the time, it's retro. It sounds like it was recorded in 1972. Remember a guy named uh, Emmett Rhodes? Remember him, Greg? Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. Guy, he was like this kind of kind a pop of dude, indie artist, pop dude. indie yeah. artist from like '71 who made one yeah. album, and everyone thought he was kind of like Paul McCartney, and he, he yeah. played all the shit himself, drums, piano, and that that song by Ethan reminds me of that somehow. I don't know. Yeah, exactly I, I think that. it's uh, I think it's just really special, and you know, it kind of it kind of pisses me off a little bit because I think it is, it, it's perfect for uh, what we call in the industry, a synchronization license. Someone should pick it up, use well, we'll, it. We'll help make that happen. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, we should, I mean, the, the, the reality is that it's not over, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just think that it's uh, such a feel good kind of uh, throwback, vibey track that uh somebody should use it sync it up to something uh visual and um you know uh in this day and age it would um probably give a little boost to ethan's career most people are looking for alternative methods to be discovered at this point and i think we're gonna continue to talk about spotify the ongoing saga of spotify and discovery is the problem. They shouldn't be scapegoated because they're not paying enough money to people. You can't get discovered on Spotify because there are tens of thousands of tracks uploaded by the hour. Well, I think before we get into the Spotify issue too, just yep. to bring it back to Ethan Gold, because we did feature him yep. twice, maybe three times on the podcast so far. Um, he does have some new music coming out, which I'm excited because I think – if my um, contacts are correct, we will be able to feature some mu new music from him coming up too. So he's um, one of our favorites. Definitely. He, re he really is. And honestly, like I would, I would listen to his music day in and day out. But on top of that, I think Greg's right. Like his music is syncable to the point where I don't understand why people haven't picked it up yet. So yep. going yep. into the whole Spotify stuff that's been going on, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> is that our the music industry sucks theme yeah <laughs> that's, what should, that's what it well, should be I, I don't want to talk about spotify i'm sick of, i just decided i don't care <laughs> you know what a stupid what a, even a stupid name spotify it sounds like a dog you know a dog poop removal thing like you know <laughs> hey dog poop on the rug try new spotify you know yeah, believe it or not, most people who listen to the podcast listen to it through Spotify. So, well, we gotta, well, I guess we haven't made our stand and taken it down from Spotify. Yeah, we, we need to take ninety four twenty off of Spotify. Now, you know, I mean, it, Spotify is fine. It's being made the scapegoat. The problems are deeper and more disturbing than one delivery system. Well, it's not, it's not Spotify. It's like all of streaming, right? Like, is that kind of how you would lump everything? Like the streaming and the, yeah, digital, would, the digital services. Streaming has devalued music. It all There's started no with, with Apple. iTunes started all this, pretty much. Don't you think? 
even before yeah, and Pandora. Yeah, I think they bought their way, you know, as as a technology platform Rhapsody, that was going Pandora, to all those no, take Nap- over distribution. The, the first real one, I would say, was Napster back yeah, in Napster the day. Napster wasn't streaming. Napster was just downloads and trading. Yeah, but that was it, downloads. It, but that was kind of the, was, it was downloads and trades, but it was really the first time that like money didn't necessarily exchange hands well like, no there were there were there were definitely uh there were things like uh limewire and oh, other i forgot download- about limewire yeah other downloadable mp3.com uh, yeah so uh, you know but that that's not that's not really the issue at hand because i mean that was summarily beaten down right the idea that the rights holders got together and said look we're going to put these people out of business and we're going to leverage the fact that they've infringed and and we'll do deals. And so that's what occurred. So then you have the people that are that you made deals with. If you're a creator, the people you made deals with got into bed with the very people that were infringing two years before. I think it started with Ira Gershwin and sheet music back in 1927. Piano rolls. <laughs> Piano rolls. Yeah. Right. I don't want to talk about this. Now. I don't want to talk about other stuff. I read a cool article. A friend of mine sent me an article from the New York Times. This guy David Brooks wrote this article about success and fame, right? And he and he used the Beatles as an example, you know, of being Which famous. Which is your favorite? Thing well, he ever. just happened to use them as as <laughs> as a as as the as the model for what he's talking about. And what he said was basically like you know, people who become famous. They have early champions and not so much. So they had Brian Epstein and he had George Martin, you know, early on, but also they had early fans. Like they had their early kind of equivalent to like um, Instagram fans and like in Liverpool, you know, at, at the cavern. And that's like basically when love me do was released. Nobody liked it. They thought it was horrible. It was like lame and simple, but the Liverpool fans just wanted it so much. They just made it kind of happen. And it's talking about, so what this guy did was says, so is like, is his people are kind of like lemmings. And if someone, and enough people think something is cool, other people will think it's cool. And if people don't think it's cool, other people really won't think it's cool. So what they did is they, they had, they took this thing of 14,000 people, right? And they released 20 songs or something like this. And of the songs, they gauged them which ones were the best, right? So they found out that these certain songs that were the best and some that weren't the best, but what they did is they switched the results and they told the people that the ones that they thought were the worst was really the best. So for some bizarre reason, the ones that really were the worst started becoming the best because people believed they were the best because more people were listening. They thought more people listened to it. Even if something's bad, but you say something good about it and you get enough people to believe it, eventually it becomes good. And right, if you, right. If you say something exactly. is bad and even though it's good and you get people enough people to think about it, it kind of is all about perception and persuasion. Because I've, I've been persuaded. I've been changed, you know. Perfect example, Billie Eilish. I thought she was hype in the beginning, a lot of nonsense, blah, blah, blah. Who cares? But the more I get into her, the more I keep thought, okay. And then now I'm like, yeah, she's kind of good. She's got, you know, so I'm as much At of a- At the beginning, it was easy for me to dismiss Lady Gaga. And then I started liking some of it. Do you think that there's also something to be said where like if so many people like someone that like- I know for me, if that's the case, sometimes it almost turns me off to wanting to like them because it's you don't necessarily get the hype about them. It's the flip. I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. 
Yeah, like you almost it depends yeah. on if you like the person who likes them. If yeah. you think they're cool, but if you think they're a jerk, oh, you like them too. Oh, maybe I got to rethink my liking of this. You know, <laughs> I remember when ACDC came on the scene, and I didn't like them initially. I thought the guitar sounds were really cool, but I didn't like them initially because they were just too simplistic and too too kind of in your face, too direct. I was listening to progressive rock prog rock at the time so i thought this band was stupid right like five years after the fact i started listening and i thought these are really pretty amazing in their construction and uh you know and i always loved bon scott the original singer uh he he was he was cool so you know i i, I started to warm up to them but um it was one of those bands that I didn't like initially. And then I oh, five years ago, I was watching the Grammys, right? You know, and they had like, I think I said this story already where they had um, Katy Perry and Lady Gaga and all, and, and, and Justin Timberlake had all these, and had a whole big orchestra with white suits and stuff, all, all these, all, all their performances. And it was like, it was like hokey, but it was opened up with, ACDC playing Highway to Hell. And it's like, and <laughs> it, it just rocked. The way oh, they, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And they just played it. I mean, and you, you see the whole audience, like Taylor Swift and Jay-Z, and they're all like just rocking to this nonsense. So it's like, yeah. you, that stuff is just pure, whatever it is. You know, it's it's funny. Um, you know, when we were doing, a, uh, last year I was doing some work with a company that was making music licensing available for podcasting. It's basically what we do, right? So the number one song that every podcast in America wanted for the first 10 seconds of their podcast was, you know, the opening refrain from Highway to Hell. It's hilarious. Because it's those, it's those, it's just, it's, yeah. it's amazing. It's, it's, you're right. It's simplistic as hell, but in its yeah. simplicity, it's amazing. You know, so yeah, I get it. It really is. And it, I remember uh, when that came out, I think I was in high school, and when that first album came out, I remember that somebody rented this giant PA, and we had a house party, and we listened to the album through this enormous PA that, like, you know, you could hear down the block. And it was pretty stunning. It was pretty crazy what I'll that record you, sounded I, like. Maybe I maybe I read this somewhere, but I'll bet you they probably wrote that just as a response to, or like to Stairway to Heaven, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Very tongue in cheek. Yes. Yeah, um, hey, we'll go to Highway to Hell. Freak that, you know? But it's funny. You're talking about success and fame and, and letting people believe something is great. You were talking about an article that you read about Paul McCartney that kind of fits into this. Tell me about that. Yeah, I can't call the article, but uh, uh, it was the basic, basically the headline is McCartney experimented with writing some things. After he was a success, he experimented writing things under a pseudonym. Like a so, pen name. Yeah, he was questioning whether or not people were cutting his work because he was Paul McCartney. So he used some different names in order to try to get some outside cuts, as it were. What, so what, that's what an the, interesting what thing. What was the result? I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the result was. We'll we'll report back on the next episode. And I feel like in modern time too, that was like Taylor Swift. Like she does pseudonames just to kind of put her music out there just to see if it's going to get picked up. So I'd be interested to see though, like what that article actually said about Paul McCartney and how many songs got picked up and I'll dig it up for next Garth week. Brooks do something like that. Release an album under a pseudonym. He did. Oh he, yeah. He, yeah, he did. 
Chris Gaines. And did that happen or what happened with that? That was so surreal that people in Nashville could not believe it was being done. I think it was Chris Gaines. I think that's you right. can Google it, but did, did, uh, did they get he, he had this or? like this he had this uh weird hairdo that was right, like a goatee or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like he was trying to be like this he was trying to be a pop star and it came off as kind of a like this aging vaudevillian or something it was very bizarre so apparently it's titled the life of chris gaines also titled greatest go. hits it's in an album by garth brooks but he tries to assume the fictitious persona of australian rock artist chris gaines yeah but in the beginning now now we know it's garth brooks but back yeah. then we didn't he, re he released it let me chris tell gaines. you that that is one of the more surreal moments in the history of nashville yeah, well, crazy. Well, yeah, but if anyone could have done it, it was him. He he kind of single handedly changed Nashville. Well, didn't he? And, but apparently, like the reason he put this out is because Chris Gaines was supposed to be a persona in something called The Lamb that was a motion picture that never materialized. So when this came out, it was also supposed to be associated with like a movie he was supposed to be in, and because it never came out, it just became Chris Gaines, Garth Brooks. So. This kind of thing is near and dear to my heart because it's just absolutely bizarre, right? <laughs> so this week we have a fun new artist from the Lakeside Management Entertainment Group called Fior. This is actually her first single ever, and we're very excited to be featuring her and can't wait to hear what else she puts out. So we'll hear a little bit about Lakeside Entertainment Management, and then we'll hear Let Me Go by Fior. In this podcast episode, we feature an artist from the Lakeside Entertainment Group. The Lakeside Entertainment Group takes an innovative, entrepreneurial approach to developing, managing, and breaking artists. With over 20 years of both independent and major label experience, their staff has broken a wide range of artists across multiple formats and platforms and has generated sales of over $100 million worldwide. By providing in-house label services that include radio promotion, marketing, digital media, touring, merchandising, and brand partnerships, Lakeside is able to compete at the highest level and provide unique opportunities to advance the careers and profiles of their clients. To learn more, go to lakesideentertainmentgroup.com. Again, that is lakesideentertainmentgroup.com.
looking for a paradise You were my kryptonite ending it is i think it's i like it though it's cool yeah i guess, I guess he let her go <laughs> well i'm very curious because we did speak with her so she does answer our questions of the week but for me it i got some taylor swift vibes in terms of like i would think what her influences could be even though she sounds completely different than anything that taylor's put out like i don't know why i just Picking up on that. I think it sounds different. I, I like how her vocal is like mixed so in your face and popping off the speakers. I think that's kind of cool. Well, why don't we why don't we hear from her? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the first question we asked her is tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Fior. I'm a 21-year-old singer and songwriter from South Florida. I just released my debut single, Let Me Go. Short, sweet, and to the point. Mm-hmm. I did not realize she was out from South Florida, though. She does. She she sounds more like a New York artist, though. Like that's what I got from her. So the next thing that we asked her is to tell us about the music projects that she's currently working on. I'm currently working to release another single this spring, followed by a project later this year. I've been working with some of the best producers in the music industry, including Scott Storch and Social House. I already have a lot of songs completed, and I'm hoping to start touring as soon as this summer. I've also been in the studio every day playing piano and learning drums and guitar. That's cool. That whole uh, kind of songstress thing with piano. Have you guys watched TikTok? There's this... Or well, I think we've Facebook. all seen TikTok, but... There, there's this one little... I think Her I name is Ellen something. She's this nine-year-old bassist. Has anybody seen her? No, I have to look her up now. Oh though. yeah, I think I, I think I've seen. She's, her. she's great. She's been doing the. She's been doing the tour of uh, like kind of uh, she's playing, playing like, Bootsy Collins stuff. Yeah, right? and even and then she's on some. She was on like a show, and Bootsy Collins talked to her and said she's great. Yeah, she's, yeah, I saw she's that. She's really good, and she yeah. like she like 
plays like Earth, Wind, and Fire and Stevie yeah, right. Wonder stuff. She plays along these tracks. Her dad's nice, this musician who, who asked her to pick an instrument when she was little, and she picked the bass. And now she's like, I, th- I saw her do one. She did. Um, she played along with Rush's uh, Tom Sawyer. She has all the bass lines. It's like and yeah. she's playing this big Fender Precision, and she's a little nine year old. It's it's pretty intense. I have mixed emotions about those things because I. I, I've never been able to figure out whether or not these kids, some of them are five, six, seven years old, are they just channeling musicians or are they actually responsible for what they're playing? I've what never figured that, that out. What's the, what's the difference? We're all just channeling, you know, who's really talented? Like, you know. Maybe. I don't know. Was I born but, uh, with a musical talent? No, I mean, I it's amazing. Lesson. But the other thing that I always think about them is that Somebody needs to get a some a musician, an accomplished musician, need to get a hold of these kids, and they need to stop them from playing so much. Why? It's almost Why? as if it's almost as if they are playing because they can technically pull it off. They're playing too much, and I believe they don't develop a sense of taste. And you know, Muddy Waters famously said. It's what you don't play. That's where the magic is. Do you think also the kids get burnt out too, just because like they're playing? Well, I think that yeah, I think that's a distinct possibility. But you know, some of these shredding guitar players that I've seen in you know they're six and seven years old, I think to myself, my word, somebody get a hold of this kid and teach them how to listen versus how to play. And it's going to be a lot better in the long run. These grand statements, I don't think depends on the person. But what I do know about these, these like little, like super, like talented nine-year-olds is that they're really special at nine, but then when they're 23, they're just 23 year old bass players. So they, <laughs> so they just right. lose but, all that edge. So yeah, you'll and see the, how good they really are. Well, and that's what I was saying with like them getting burnt out and kind of doing all this. It's the same with child actors. Like, they do it for, you know, 10, 15 years. And then they, after that, they don't really have the talent anymore. They don't have the passion. So some of them are Rodney Allen Rippey, you know, you ever hear from him again. And some yeah, of them yeah, are Jody yeah. Foster right. and, yeah. and, right. and go on and have a career. So it depends on. Well, and the kid, I think kids need to also have childhoods. Like they don't necessarily oh, need to be. Childhood. It's, oh, yes. It's so do. overrated childhood. It is not overrated. We all had. I want to. Okay, here's the thing. I say this because like I would love to have a childhood again. I like seeing it through Kenzie's eyes. It's like, man, I wish I would have, you know, had the instinct at three to realize that these were probably the best times of my life. No, they're not. They're really <laughs> they not. Are. They're really not. They're the worst times of your life. You know, childhood. Because you have because you don't have you have any money. You don't have a car. You can't do anything. You can't, Nicole, the best. The best the best time of your life is from forty to fifty. All right. So, well, I haven't gotten there yet. You know what so. the best right. time of your life so, is now, uh, always now. Oh, uh, always now. Carl's going to get all philosophical. Well, Are we going to have a new rule? You know, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the best time of anyone's life is always now. All right, I can agree to that. It has to be because there's only the well, because part of their life. You're living in the present. You only know the past. You don't necessarily know what's going to happen in the future. So always now. Nobody does. Yeah. Nobody does. Yeah, but we're, now we're encroaching upon the mindfulness territory that I that I span throughout the week, and uh, you know I don't like I don't like this podcast being very mindful. This is my uh, 
So why don't, instead of us being mindful, to, why don't we to, learn to about some musical influences from Fior? Why don't we yeah, see what Fior has to say? <laughs> we about. asked her what musical artists have inspired her career so far. Midas Thing's self-taught style was influenced by Alicia Keys, Lauren Hill, Billy Joel, Stevie Nicks, Cher, Amy Winehouse, Michael Jackson, and my biggest inspiration of all, Adele. I think from what she said about wanting to expand and, and, and learning those things, I can totally now hear the Alicia Keys inspiration and a couple of the other people that she said too. So what's the, what's the, what's the last famous question we have? The had? last famous question that we have is what does a successful music career look like for you? A successful career in music would be for me to really impact people through my songs. I want to be a vessel for them to express their feelings when they feel like they are not able to be heard themselves. She's pretty concise the way she answers questions. I I like it. You know, she she knows what she wants to say. Well, I think for her, she's got a lot of good people around her right now, just from what she says and the producer she's been working with. So I think she really does want to have people see her the way she is in an artist, you know, express it very concisely so she can just get back to doing what she loves. Have you guys heard the new Adele record? Yes. No. Is it good? What what's your what's your what's your take, Nicole? I like it knowing, so I didn't listen to it until I actually saw her interview with Oprah, right when her album came out. And you saw the special? You saw the special? Saw the special. I liked how Adele said that this album wasn't necessarily written for anyone else, but her expressing to her son when he's older, why she went through the things she went through, including her divorce. And knowing that, listening to it, I think it's amazing. My opinion of it was I was looking forward to sitting down and listening to it because I think she's so talented and I think her voice is extraordinary. But the the record, with the exception of like two tracks, the record just kind of left me, I don't know, I, I, I was just kind of blah with the whole experience. And I didn't expect that. I love her music no matter what, but I think she's... She's in that same funk. Like there's nothing new in there that's like super inspiring where it's like, wow, that's a great album. It's been six years. I've been waiting for this. Like right. it's one in the same. Like you love Adele because you love her sound, but there's nothing in there that's like dramatically. Well, most artists are like that, I, except except for Bowie and the Beatles maybe. But, but I think a lot of people were expecting and hoping for that because it had been, uh, I think it was like five or six years since her last album. So it is not, it is not her masterpiece. Let's just put it that mm -hmm. way. She's got a lot more music to make. I think she's got an extraordinary voice. There's no question. And I don't know to what degree she's been producing these records, but the record just kind of left me cold. And it, I didn't feel like I was on a journey in any way. I didn't feel like she was emoting with her voice, you know. But I think for her, the thing that people love about her is her personality and the and and her voice. But I, I think personally, I was underwhelmed by a lot of the songs. There are a couple songs that I really just enjoyed. But like That's Greg said, exactly the way I feel about it. Yeah, you know, she had a bit of a. a she had kind of an issue with this with this live uh, the, residency with the Vegas, she yeah. She like broke down I mean, completely on social media and, and like tears. Yeah, and all. a lot of people trashed her for not uh, giving people advance notice. You know, mm -hmm. it was kind of a prima donna move to say it's not ready. You know, well, forty eight hours. I don't know anything about I don't know anything about this, but she might have been yeah. pressured because the money probably was great. 
and you know when you when people dangle millions of dollars in front of you and stay in one place, it's easy. I would say no. Well, she was she was saying, Carl, that production kept getting shut down because of COVID. Well, maybe she's right. Maybe and she's so, honest. like forty eight hours before they were supposed to do the opening weekend, she basically pulled the plug, and she said, you know, it's not good enough. There were hundreds of people that. You know, Even it's a career this... ender right now. You know, you've heard the expression mm. jump the shark, right? Yeah. You know what that means, right? To jump the shark. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. right now, if you're an artist and you sit down with Oprah, your career is over. Oh, you know, okay. I agree Do not with sit that. down with Oprah. You know, if Billy Eilish sits down with Oprah, it's like you're going to lose all cred, man. Mm-hmm. Anybody who wants to have any kind of cred, you don't sit down with Oprah. I'm sorry. I don't care. You don't. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I will say in the past recently anyone who has sat down with her has not necessarily come out of it well on the other side yeah because it's i'm I'm, i don't get her relevance man she was cool 15 years ago giving that free cards and and she had a cool talk show when it comes to like really having any insight to artistry and musicians and singers and i don't care like you know well don't underestimate uh, i mean oprah is an absolute force when it comes to media so don't underestimate the power that she has maybe she's good for a book club but if you're a music artist and you want some kind of hip audience you don't do anything with oprah i'm sorry i don't think anybody cares you know i mean i I don't know i mean i don't think anybody cares who's who the interviewer is paul mccartney never sat down with oprah all right dylan's never sat down with oprah neil young never sat down (laughs) no you know who you go to you go to ellen at this point. Oh, there you don't go. go to Ellen. She's <laughs> even worse. She's like I would Oprah like Light. Ellen to sit down with Oprah. Oh, Ellen right. and Oprah. And, 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 and Joe Rogan. Right. <laughs> have a podcast. You know, oh man, that would be great. We we have we have an announcement to make. Carl will not be sitting down with Oprah. No. <laughs> well, that's the joke though. If, if, if Oprah invited us on the show next We'd week, we'd probably sit down We'd all go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so full of shit. You <laughs> stay <I> admit it. <laughs> uh, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 podcast. For all of the links to everything that we spoke about, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T W E N T Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. 